good morning. Happy snow day, guys. Are, are there kids lurking about for you, too, with all the weather going on in State College? It is snowing hard outside my window, but I live a little bit outside of town, so I don't know. It can be like two miles, and it's raining somewhere else. So good morning to a snowy BWI live show. We're talking about 2024, and uh, look ahead at the Penn State roster, how things might shake out for the spring. Uh, gentlemen, good morning, and how has your morning been so far, Fitz? Uh What's the state of your house today? Oh, it's terrific. I feel like the kids in Jurassic Park when the raptors are like stalking them. Like I'm waiting for dogs, kids, wife, whatever, just to <laughs> to take over and to at some point just like burst in the door. So it's great. It's great. I, I mean, it was it, we got the call this morning and, uh, you know, knew, knew the weather was going to be bad. I didn't know it was going to be cancel school at five o'clock bad, but they were right. I mean, shout out to the State College Area School District. And uh, yeah, they, they they did the right thing because it's 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 pretty nasty out here. Uh, Nate, we've got. I like to start off with you know something that you guys have written or you know a conversation topic, but just kind of ease us into the conversation. But uh, there's too many things with you, Nate. We could talk about the national championship from yesterday. We could talk about basketball upset win the Palestra. Where do you want to start? What do you want to start with uh, with the show today? Wow, uh, let's do basketball because then we can quickly move on from it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good it was a good weekend for Penn State basketball in Philadelphia, you know, uh, against a Michigan team that is not great. But, uh, you know, certainly coming off of the Michigan State loss last week for Penn State, where they just got absolutely demolished, uh, you, you know, to come back and look really not very good in the first half, but then play well, get the crowd into it, you know, uh, kind of another you know, feather in the cap for this series of Palestra games, right? They've had four now and they've won three of them, right? It's just, it's, it's something that obviously fits, obviously works, yeah. is, is good for Penn State basketball and something that they're going to keep trying to do. It seems to be their style, uh, their big win so far. They've been down and then they come back at halftime. So just an yep. interesting, they're an interesting team this year. Um, and we knew that coming in. Uh, we're going to have a hoop show later this week, right? We are. We are All right, so we'll we'll save that conversation for there, so that we can include young Fitz in this uh, chat because he does not <laughs> watch Nittany Lion basketball. If Fitz, you're you're muted there. That's not true. Uh, I told you the other day um, that I was watching the game, and I was. And Michigan, not good. Penn State, nice resiliency. It was it was good to see. I I, I really enjoy watching Kanye Clary. I think he's a really good player. Just in the in the little things that he does, and I know that you know Penn State fans hold him in high regard. I think he's I think he's a heck of a player. Like his ability to dribble out of pressure the other day, like won them the game in my opinion. So um, it, it was uh, it, it's fun to watch. Um, and I want to go to the Palestra next year, like with you, like that. Not, I don't want to cover the game. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, but, no, uh, to work. <laughs> no, I, I was talking to to Brian Doan the other day, and he's like, "Have you ever seen a game there?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "You got to. It's it's so awesome." So it's cool. as a basketball guy myself, I know I don't talk basketball, but uh, I I would I, I think next year maybe is the year, Nate. Let's do it. Okay, come with me. All right, setting future plans, but we got to look back <laughs> for one minute. Uh, for a little bit, maybe more than one minute, talking about the college football national championship last night. Michigan wins. Um, they kind of have a game like they always do, which is it's close, it's close, it's close, and then lopsided uh, final score. So they are the college football champion. First off, just want to get your guys' thoughts on the game last night. We don't have to do a full breakdown of the game, but just, Fitz, what did you think about um, Michigan and, and Washington last night? Well, what every Penn State fan wants when they log into their Penn State uh, YouTube show is to talk about Michigan winning a national championship. I mean, well-deserved. <laughs> they they outplayed 
out muscled, just outdid everything uh, to Washington. Um, you know, it's a heck of a staff out there. It's a, they, they, they've built the way they've built the team the way that they want to play, and they've forced teams to change their their outlook because of it. And I think it's a it's a feather cap. And I hey, who knows if the championship is going to stand ten years from now? But like they <laughs> they went out there, they did it, they did a heck of a job. Fitz. Or, they, sorry, Nate. What do you? Yeah, think? they 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 forced teams to uh, change their signals too, Fitz. So uh, yes, they did. You know, uh, <laughs> I just I loved how how casual the the and look like the broadcast and we're in the same spot, right? You're you're in a you're not in a winning position to talk about the obvious because yeah. this is a team that is is good with or without that underlying cloud right it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that this is a team that won a bunch of games absolutely however right when chris fowler at the end is is you know just kind of the the one shining moment after the game and it's like you know the uh <laughs> dealt with some controversy some of it self-inflicted like <laughs> Let's just you under know, let's put it in small caps as much as possible. Just understate it as much as possible. Michigan won 15 games this season, of which Jim Harbaugh coached nine. Right? Like, it's just a it's just a program that, if you're acknowledging reality, was engulfed in off the field distraction this year, and and not just distraction, but integrity of the game distraction. Right? Yeah. Like stuff stuff that makes you call into question some of the outcomes and so yeah you know they they won the game i i did think uh, again being honest here that there was some officiating that that was certainly questionable in the second half of that game that uh you, you know doesn't necessarily change the outcome but certainly changes the margin of victory the, the the way that it ended up playing out in the the last whatever it was eight minutes of the fourth quarter that, that may have been different but um yeah you know uh, Michigan did it. They finally got where they wanted to go. How they got there? <laughs> I mean, it is a part of the conversation for sure. Uh, part of the conversation, David Amble in the chat says, time for a wrestling show. Well, David, actually, this is something that we talked about this morning, and we are going to do a segment on wrestling at bluewhiteillustrated.com this week. So uh, featured content over at the site. So if you want to check that out, be looking for it in Greg Pickle, uh, his content later in the week on wrestling. We're going to have a breakdown and a conversation about uh, wrestling starting the Big Ten duels. So that's coming up over at the site. So we are going to be covering wrestling and basketball. And of course, this is a perfect transition into the conversation around Penn State and the national championship. Chris, here playing the hits. He says, we give Franklin a pass for the COVID year. Michigan went two and four in the COVID year and was able to turn around the program. Franklin has been outcoached, he says. Now, let's have a conversation about what I think is interesting in, in this, not just, you know, like anger at the situation. Guys, um, I think it's really interesting that Michigan played kind of the Ohio State model uh, in the national championship. Explosive plays, quarterback, receivers dominate with points when you can, but mostly be led by your offense and your quarterback, or the Michigan style, as you guys outlined, team, defense, running, de-emphasize the quarterback a little bit. And I just think it's interesting that we've seen Penn State 2016, 2017 be more like one of those programs, and there's been a bit of a shift, it seems, towards the other. 
So heading into 2024, and this is going to get into the meat of the conversation later about the roster and retention and all of those things, which one of those two kind of generalized blueprints do you think that this program is closer to emulating um, in their attempt to make the expanded college football playoff next year? Fitz, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, it's Michigan. Uh, I think that the way that Penn State is going to have to build, they're, they're not an appealing program for playmakers on the outside, even though that they've had some success there. Um, I mean, Franklin has coached this the way that it's been coached in the past at Penn State, like defense first, and then, you know, your offense is going to come along. I, it, it, it's not a new formula or anything like that, but I think that that's the way um, that a Penn State team needs to get it done, a Northern team needs to get it done, basically. I know Ohio State has the appeal to uh, those receivers and, and things like that. Penn State just doesn't have that. So I, th I think that's the that's the way that you got to go. Um, it's I think it's a it's a, it's a product of where you're at. It's a product of of what you've been, and you know stick to that identity and see what can happen. We've seen them try to open it up and hasn't gone well at times. It, you know, it's and it was really fun to watch those. You mentioned 16 and 17, but um, as a program identity, I think it's closer to Michigan than it is to Ohio State. Uh, Nate, what do you think? Uh, Michigan's defense, Washington's offense. Is that the, the uh, that would yeah, be the ideal? Do that. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't think that. Uh, look, JJ wasn't good until they started running him kind of late in the third quarter. That they that started to get them going a little bit. Um, wasn't great as a passer. They kind of stopped passing the ball. I, I, you know, I, I think that. Um, we're not being genuine to not acknowledge that that is part of Michigan's MO is they would, they would prefer to play it safer if possible. And look like there's, there's strategic elements there. They, they want to keep the, the clock moving, right? You're winning the game. Um, but Washington kind of figured them out in, mm -hmm. in the third quarter. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that Penn state certainly would prefer to be more explosive offensively than, than what Michigan was last night outside of on the ground. I mean, it was not a, until the cascade in the final few minutes of that game, uh, that was not a, that was not a well-balanced Michigan offense. And I don't think that that is something that Penn state is trying to emulate bottom line. Yeah. So Nate, do you think they, do, do you think they can do it? <laughs> do you think that they, because it's interesting, we talk about passing attacks and we talk about, you know, chasing explosive plays. Michigan's chasing explosive plays. They're just doing it very much in one area, you know, on the ground. And, you know, they want to get some explosive play action passes. They had one to Roman Wilson early in the game that set up one of the touchdowns. But generally, they're not doing it the same way um, that we think of, kind of like we think of aggressive defense means blitzing. Well, there's different ways to be aggressive. There's different ways to chase explosive plays. Do you think Penn State can get there as the explosive team that has that level of balance or that level of passing explosion? I mean, uh, balance is the, the goal here. Like it's, it, it's, you're asking, you asked me one or the other and then Nate took the mesh point there. Um, so uh, <laughs> good for you. Um, but I mean, the balance is the key and the explosion, you know, it's it, yes, you want to be like Ohio state. You want to be like the Washington, you know, the, the, the Washington model and stuff like that. But that, I think it's harder to attain based on what you're able to recruit. So I, I think you go with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, like I said, I think Frank Franklin coached a very risk averse style this year because of who he had a quarterback and the, the lack of experience that he had a quarterback and up burning them. 
So uh, I think that you try to get that in. And Nate makes a good point. Yes, Michigan does try to hit big plays too. It's not a situation of, you know, it's not just the second half against Penn State where you're running the ball every play. Like they they will try to open you up at the right time. It's a very pro out, outlook, and which is yeah. why Harbaugh is being floated for all these NFL jobs because of that. That could see that could I don't want to say seamlessly transition, but that's the that's the style that would work at the pros. So yeah. um, I think that that's that's really what you're looking for. You're looking for the balance with a sprinkle of explosion. If you can get that, that's a perfect world. But obviously, we're his college football. It's not a perfect world. I do find it interesting that uh, and, and maybe I'm not giving Jim Harbaugh enough credit for allowing these things in his ecosystem, but um, his coordinators, you know, are very NFL style. Um, yeah. What he they're did great, previously, great staff. they're a great staff. They're a great staff. What he did previously was not NFL style. And what he did in the end, you know, kind of some of the, the, the old school running things, they are a very, a lot of new wrinkles. And uh, I, I don't know if advanced concepts is the right way, but like a lot of difficult challenges with the running game. So, you know, I think if he takes that style of the NFL, that could work, but you do need some of those talents this is a tangent we don't need to get into just generally i i don't know how he fits in the nfl if that's what happens next one thing i do know is that if you want to fit on the football field you need to be good at football and we've talked about this quite a lot here um lombard mma a great way to train your hands train your mind and give you the ability to translate your physical skills to the football field the techniques and things you learn from your position coaches are all critical but how do you just learn the ability to use your body correctly mmafx is a hand fighting technique and program the only comprehensive hand fighting program video set for football players available we've talked about it a lot here on the show but nate this whole thing goes back to our partnership with bruce lombard goes back to um you taking me over to Lombard MMA and State College and getting to know what they do. And what we saw was actually uh, the boxing program for the offensive line. Yep. What do you remember about that? Because I thought that was a super interesting um, place that we got to be for a little bit uh, last year, about this time. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it was a change of scenery for Penn State's offensive line, right? Is is Look, <laughs> uh, do not need to go the whole way down this rabbit hole, but like January and February is not a lot of fun for Penn state football players, right? This is, these are, this is like the grind. This is like the bad, the bad days uh, where it's not a whole lot of fun. And so to, to mix in uh, mesh in some of what Bruce is doing down there at Lombard MMA, uh, I I think had a lot of those guys excited and a lot of those guys, you, you know, engaged with something that, has its own purpose and is is kind of cool to learn anyway if you're into that sort of thing, um, but also translates. You can yeah. you can carry that over to the football field into something that um, you know if if <laughs> bottom line if Olufashanu uh, believes in something and is invested in something and it it, it works for him and he thinks that it's a a worthwhile use of his time, whoop maybe maybe check that out. Maybe, maybe check maybe, that out. Maybe maybe yeah. get him a listen. He's he's a uh, he's a pretty pretty talented kid already, but uh, you know one who who is also brings intelligence to it and you know wants to devote his time to the right things. So yeah, check him out. Yeah, and it's it's something you can get more information at Bruce at MMAFX.net. Uh, that's his email, Bruce at MMAFX.net. But if you're interested in the video program, which we're going to show you a little bit here with former NFL player Anthony Zettel 
former all Big Ten defensive lineman. This is what you can order and you can get this teach tape professional videography, including different technical angles, slow motion, so that you can become Bruce for your team uh, and teach them the right way to use their hands and the right way to use some of these techniques to win, uh, especially defensive linemen, linebackers, receivers, anyone that has to beat press and beat blocking. This is a great way for you to learn your hands and how to use your body to manipulate uh, blockers. All this, you can get the information and as a, uh, an awesome thing, because Bruce is an awesome guy, you can get 15% off MMA, uh, LombardMMA.com backslash shop. Use the promo code 15BWI. That's 15BWI for 15% off at LombardMMA, uh, LombardMMA.com backslash shop. Uh, so the, the the main thrust of today is to look at Penn State and to look into the future. Classes have started. I don't know if they're going on today because of the snow. Um, but we got an update about guys that are returning and some of the things that Fitz and I talked about last week on the show. Um, afterwards, Hakeem Beeman announced he's coming back for next year. So now that we've got our first snapshot of the players that are on the roster that are in town for January, what do you guys make of of what's coming up in this spring semester, Fitz? Yeah, I think uh, you start at the defensive line. Uh, you mentioned Beeman and Ellie's coming back. Uh, that's absolutely massive. Like you, when you set out to uh, you know replace those guys in the portal, number one, you don't find much that is going to give you what you need. You don't find guys that you know what they bring to the table, like a Devon Ellie's and a, and a Kim Beeman. So you know, getting those guys back in 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 the in the fold is unbelievable. Really, like I mean, it, it, defensive tackle was a big question mark coming into the year. I mean, how many times did we? I mean, we we spent the entire offseason last year hand wringing over it, and then we get to the season, hey, they're fine. So, yeah, bringing back exactly what you had in twenty twenty three, I would say that's a good thing. So, um, Dion Barnes is, uh, you know, he's got to feel good about this. He's going to get uh, those two back. Isaiah Izzard, uh, Smith Vilbert, even. You know, even as a complete wild card, I mean, you're going to take that because he's a guy that's been in the program. You think you know what he's bringing to the table there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of restocking that defensive line. You, you, you can't you can't uh, like underestimate the loss that they're going to have with a decent chop. Like it's going to be uh, something that goes without saying this yeah. offseason that we're probably going to say a bunch anyway. Um, but those guys are <laughs> phenomenal. Um, yeah, I think Denai is really good. And I think the guys behind him are pretty good, too. Um, and I mean, Vanover is the right fish. And we're going to see a lot more of, uh, of Jamil Lyons, but, uh, those guys, like you, we suddenly go from, Hey, defensive tackle is a complete liability. And these defensive ends are going to be great to, Hey, these defensive ends need to step up, but these, dif- this defensive tackle group should be able to, to, to help bring them along. So I think that's number one, the great part about college football is it's so it's such a cycle. It's not a situation where you're going to sign a guy to a eight year contract or whatever, um, like that. So, it's uh, but but it's for for a young position coach to not have to go out to not have to find the portal and you know you look at the defensive tackles in there, I mean what's what's that get for you you know is, <laughs> is it going to be what is it going to be more than Devon Ellis brings is it going to be more than Beeman and and Izzard and those guys bring to the table so I think number one you start there and you're pretty far ahead of where you thought you would be because after the season just talking to guys in the program I mean they thought Beeman and Ellis were gone get getting those guys back absolutely massive so. Yeah. Uh, it's just not upsetting the card. And I think that that's, uh, that, that is the biggest thing you take away from that is, uh, you build your, uh, you build out there, you, you're going to have an interesting spring for guys like Caleb Artis, Jordan Vandenberg, yeah. uh, Alonzo Ford, when he gets back, um, you know, those will be interesting, but feeling pretty good about the first four because they're the same four that you had this year. 
just based on the information, and Nate, you wrote about this over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. You did some reporting on this before everything came out, I believe. Um, just kind of feels like getting the band back together, like getting uh, what you saw last year plus, you know, the additions from this previous year. First off, am I on with that? Your face has given me some, I don't know if you're right about that, but generally, uh, like from a perspective of uh, does this, you know, how do you view this update of what we get, this first tangible clue of what 2024 spring looks like? Yeah, look, it, uh, the conversation is NIL. It is convincing retention, right? Like that's, that is what this is about is, can you make a pitch as a program to borderline players? Okay. You're, you're not going to win back first round guys. Like, right. Like Olu was such an aberration, such an anomaly that, that's that's different okay so chops gone mm -hmm. Kalen king's gone okay you can understand all those things what about the guys that you would like to have back that are fifth sixth seventh round undrafted free agent types right how many of those guys because look even even last night michigan's roster was filled with guys who could have gone to the nfl last year and decided to stick around and they is there decided a basketball equivalent to make here of veteran teams are ones that you Senior look for deep play. runs <laughs> look it it is it, this is this sounds so stupid and i get it but 23 year olds in college football have an implicit advantage over 19 year olds op opposing them right yep. like it, it just it's so straightforward Having Hakeem Beeman, Devon Ellis, Kaziah Izzard, those dudes are men. They are men, and they will be lining up against teenagers in a lot yeah. of cases. That's that's a huge help. That that just like your body, the the ability to have that time, it changes things. And so, for Penn State to have won some of those guys back is a huge win. That is that like undeniable. That is a a boost for the program. It's something that. Uh, you, you know, very clearly Penn State is has been able to make a pitch that resonates with some of these guys to continue their development. Are there some losses that you would have liked to have been able to to make a, a compelling case to keep around? For sure. Right. Caden uh, Wallace would have been very nice for Penn mm -hmm. State to have been able to make that pitch to. However, Sal Wormley is sticking around. Right. So, so you miss one, you get one. Uh, but, but Sal Wormley coming back is, is a big thing for Penn State to, to have a, a multi year starting presence back on the interior of that offensive line. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't look at it as a, like a, like a cascade, a tsunami of, of wins in, in terms of retention mm -hmm. for fifth and sixth year guys. But I do look at it as, Hey, you, you you got a decent you got a decent return. Tyler Warren coming back, that's big. Uh, you, you you got a decent amount of those guys that can help your program because they are older and it's taking advantage. Look, like, <laughs> I, again, I cannot stress this enough. This COVID bonus year is such a unique, strange twisting of the rules that the programs that are able to take advantage of it and the transfer portal, right? All of these different NIL, all of these different pieces for this five-year window of college football, the, the programs that can adapt to it and figure out what is the best way for, what's the most 
advantageous way to play these things, I think come out on top and Penn state is kind of on the winning end and kind of not right. Like they, right. they, they have not been able to exploit it to the level that I think some other programs have, but they've also been a, they've been smart about it. They've been very intentional. Uh, and I think that you see that in some of these returns. Yeah. Cause there is the balance of, you want to have room on the roster to still recruit and, and to bring in fresh talent and to bring in guys that have, you know, uh, what's the cliche every year we're going out to find somebody to take your job unless you can stop it fits. Um, how, how do you feel like they've done kind of balancing all of these things that Nate's talking about? I feel like they just played a team that is doing it like, I don't want to say optimally, but like on paper, like Ole Miss is bringing back a lot of experienced guys. I know Judkins is going to Ohio State, but they're bringing back a ton of experienced guys and they're supplementing with the best guys in the portal. They can afford to do so. Like they're, they're doing, I mean, that's happening for a reason that I don't think Penn State has that, that sort of advantage, but like, that's what they're doing. They're loading up on those old guys and they're bringing in the guys that fill the gaps and fill the gaps in a in an effective way, like younger players can be great in, in college. Not, I mean, but you're only looking for, for your starting 22. If you get five or six of those guys, those younger guys to do it, the other 16 have to carry the load. And that's where these mm -hmm. old players come in, the maturity, um, the, the work ethic. And then it's going to set your program up for a couple of years. Cause these, you know, the kids that come in under them, if they don't transfer are going to see what those guys have put in. So I think that that is the approach as we get to the end of COVID and you can take advantage of that loophole whether it's a good thing or not. And, and that's the other thing is we're talking best practices versus the practices that are in front of you. Yep. And it's kind of like, uh, um, you know, we're, how we talk NIL. So nobody likes the system. Nobody thinks the system's good, but you have yep. to make the most of the system. And I think that there are schools making the most of the system. Yeah. Put Penn state. If you're, if you're doing a graph here, you know, above the 50 percentile, you know, like the, one of the better programs, but also not one of the top programs. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. And it, it's also kind of the idea that, um, Nobody has the data. James Franklin, huge on data. Nobody has the data of what's the best practice of how to use the COVID year because it's just been around for a couple of years. So there's not a lot of evidence of, hey, do you want to do X, Y, or Z with it? Nate, you, you were about to say something? Do, does anybody still think that Drew Aller starting, right, as a true freshman, Sean Clifford not returning would have been good for Penn State football? Um, yeah, I think based on the evidence, what you saw last year, I, it would be hard to still maintain that, that situation, unless you're saying like, you don't want to win those games. And then that makes him better for 2023. But, but would it have, I, I, to, to me, there's a very obvious benefit of having older, some, I think Fitz, you used the word maturity having those, that presence, having like, you have to be intentional as a program about the guys that you want to keep around. You can't, you can't keep malcontents necessarily. Um, but if you have an opportunity to have an older presence in the room, guys who can command respect, who can, who can set an example for your younger players as much as you possibly can, you, you want that. <laughs> I just think it's a no brainer in so many of these situations to give precedence to, to, to prioritize mm -hmm. trying to keep those guys around as long as you can. I, I think that there's also, and Fitz, you can correct me here, your perception of this, of the next thing is always the next best thing when it comes to uh, recruiting and talent and five stars. But the fundamental principle is football is hard. 
like from a mental perspective, not just from a physical perspective. And there are certain guys that can get away with not knowing everything because they are so talented. But the rest of us, meaning the rest of humanity, don't have those skills in order to make up the knowledge gap. So older teams are better because they know what the hell they're supposed to be doing. Is is that a fair assessment of kind of like where, you know, Penn State needs to be based on the fact that they're not getting those guys that are unbelievably talented beyond like all of the Saquon Barkley's and Micah Parsons. Yeah. And I thought you were going into an ad read there. So I kind of spaced, but uh, it was, (laughs) it's a situation. I mean, you look at Caden Wallace. Okay. That, that makes sense on paper for him to come back and improve his stock or whatever, but it also doesn't because he's been in school for going on six years. It's, you know, state college is a place to be for, you know, four and a half years, five, five years, some of us. And uh, you know, it, it, it does wear on you, especially when you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like people like see these guys as, you know, video game characters where you just place them in and, you know, you keep them as long as you want until they're, you know, until you're done with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's hard. It's hard. Like playing a college sport is hard at any level. And I know that these guys are treated well, like it's, but, but it is part of balancing college, balancing life, like being 23 years old around, 20 year olds, 19 year olds, like there's a difference there. Like the, and that's, uh, and that's really the tough part about it. And you, you know, every, everybody is, it's a case by case situation. When we talk recruiting, it's a case by case situation. When you talk retention, like Daquan Hardy would have been fantastic to have next year. Like then they wanted to have him next year and he could have probably stand, you know, I think he's an, I think he can stick in the NFL. I don't know where he's going to land in the draft if he gets drafted, but like he can stick in the NFL because he has a particular skill set, but a long time to be in state college pennsylvania especially when you come from diverse backgrounds yeah yeah i think that's a folding in the fact that you know you're trying to do something at a uh, professional level when you're also a student is also a part of the conversation let's get to the i think the meat or the heart of this conversation about the spring roster and um maybe some of the things you want to fix from penn state's offense last year the receiver position keandre lambert smith presumably is going to be here. Um, but I know that there's some opinion about what this actually means, uh, what this, this, and, and Nate, you wrote about this and yeah. you have some thoughts about this. So Penn state's receiver room, fixing that, making that, you know, a uh, couple veterans. If you've got Keandre Lambert Smith, Julian Fleming, et cetera, I guess, how do you read this situation with Lambert Smith? Yeah, I, I read it as don't make presumptions with him. I, Right. Just just bottom line is uh, he is a guy who is is tough to get a read on sometimes, I think. And so I do I think it's likely that he transfers out of Penn State. Obviously, the the transfer portal window to enter is closed currently. Um, does it mean he couldn't in the spring? No. Does it mean he couldn't in the next what does it fit six days well i mean uh, de- yeah declare- grad transfers can go in whenever too like ibrahim Cherry went in when when we're on the air here so like it's it's certainly possible yeah so so there's just there's just a lot i think to to still play out i i think that um look taking any roster in college football as being in january as what it will be in august as the same is a mistake <laughs> right just just generally speaking, that is uh, that's not how it works currently. Um, and so with Keandre, it's just going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see what he uh, ends up deciding to do. Certainly, 
you can understand and make a pitch for either direction, right? For either side for, for Keandre is, was he featured and used, utilized to the fullest extent of his talents this season at Penn state? I don't know. You know, I, I think, and this is where I'm, yes, I think they did early in the season. They were, he was a primary target on a lot of plays. And the offense had the issues that it had. The quarterback is a part of the conversation, so the, you cannot separate the receiver getting open deep and not getting a touchdown from the quarterback and throwing that football. So there are things and perceptions and realities that are mixed. But generally, overall, he was the number one receiver. And then you saw at the end of the season how the rest of the coaching staff decided to emphasize the offense around tight ends and running backs. So, I mean, I, I think it is there was an opportunity there for him, He and and it played out the way that we saw. And so that's the other argument, right? Is is if you're Penn State, how much of this is, hey, um, you know, have have high belief in what his ceiling is, but just hasn't realized it over over four years, right? Has had opportunities, has had chances that for one reason or another. I mean, I'm, I'm not to, I'm not putting blame on anyone solely. Right. I think that there, right. there are shared responsibilities here, but at what point do you say to yourself, well, what, you know, look, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm hesitant to use this phrase, but I use it occasionally. It's like the devil, you know, versus the one that you don't, right. What, what is, what is out there that you can bring in that you feel like is better that, you know, is better that, you know, what the influence is on the room that, you mm -hmm. know, all of these, um, uh, outside factors the way that you know Keandre because you, you've been with him for four years you, you I mean very clearly Penn State has has shown a trust in him James Franklin publicly has said multiple times uh you know about some of the challenges that he has experienced in terms of his maturity and and being able to deal with things uh getting over setbacks dealing with adversity in games mm -hmm. right staying in games I, I don't think that there's anyone who can can watch his play this season and say he's a guy who was always able to push through setbacks early in games. Yeah. He, he was he, he took he took himself out of games at times. Right? But on but on the other side, <laughs> there is hey, if the dude that you see in practice that makes the plays that he makes against the defensive backs that Penn State has, if your coach you're saying to yourself, man, like uh, yeah, I, if I we could that, have if we could have that guy, yeah. Like, oh man, that's, that's the issue is that you've seen it, and like talent is the least of Keandre's worries. Like mm -hmm. he is the most talented guy in that room, bar none. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Does I mean is that is that what's going to get him to where he needs to be in the stat or you know on the stat sheet every Saturday? Not no, it's not. Yeah. So that that that's where we're standing with him, is that if he can do it, like he can be. He can be a dude like he's going to go out. He's going to go if he if he went to the combine this year, run a four, three, eight. He would run a four flat shuttle. He would, uh, you know, get in drills and his change of direction is elite like that. That is the that is the talent side of things like the everything else is is really what's what's been holding it. And then yeah. he's five years in. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. So, right. uh, but, but he's, he certainly is capable of it. Like from a pure talent, like going back to the video game thing I said earlier, this is a guy that would have high attributes in 
everything that you would want to like the speed attribute, the quickness attribute, like all that stuff to get where you want to be to, you know, you know, win a dynasty or whatever. And, and I can't wait for the NCAA game to come out. If you can't tell. <laughs> that's um, that's what we're but, taking away from this show today is that Fitz is super excited for the next NCAA game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but uh, it's why it's why Nate made me get the, the PS5. Um, it's not for sale. Um, but it's uh, it's a situation where if, if all those things come together, it's great. But I, yeah. it, it, we can't sit here and tell you that it's going to. Yeah, Isn't, and that's that's the wild card too. Sorry, it's the wild card too of like you could have that. You know, that's the idea of bringing in Fleming and having mature players in the room and you know trying to find whatever chemistry it is to bring out the best in everybody through competition and, and all of those personality traits. But it's just uh, feels like a wild card, as you guys have mentioned. I think that there is a Kalen element to this as well of how, how do you perform against the best competition that you see, right? What, what, what was Keandre in the biggest games that Penn state had on the schedule this year? Right. And, and the same can be said of Kalen. The difference between them is Kalen had last year to boost his reputation to the point where he, he had this, this built-in goodwill that I think is going to allow other teams to overlook the fact that he didn't have a great game against Marvin Harrison, right? Mm -hmm. he, that there were, there were times where Kalen this year did not play up to the level that was expected of him against the best competition that he faced. Ke uh, Keandre doesn't have that. Keandre doesn't have that, right? He was injured for most of 2022. Yep. Was not able to make that, that same leap, build up that goodwill to where he was looking forward to this year as being his year to shine. And he, in a lot of ways, he was expected to be that top guy. But again, one reason or another, that that's just not exactly what happened. Um, and, I, and, and I also don't want to diminish the fact that he had 50 catches, right? It's not like, yeah. it's not like the numbers weren't there completely. And it's four dropbacks, by the way. And four dropbacks. <laughs> Sorry, Inter I didn't mean to totally interesting, your point, but I was looking up the stats. decision, Mike. <laughs> that was, that was the rare comic relief from Thomas Frank Carr. Um, but you look at his stats. He had 50 catches going in. What he had 50 catches going to Michigan and finished with mm -hmm. 54. Yeah, that's tough to, that's tough. That's a tough speed bump to get over, man. That is a tough one to to get over in your head. Yeah, and I, it it is it's just it's the it's the part of this conversation about the roster and and how it's returning potentially that I think sets up all the way back to our conversation at the beginning of the show of how can Penn State win next year? What is their path forward to success? And you know, at this point, it's just anybody steps up in the receiver room. They need to have something like that happen. It doesn't have to necessarily be Keandre Lambert Smith. I know he's the focus of here, but like there has to be that competition. We talk about the number of players they brought in. There has to be the competition that actually elevates people into better play. And they have not had that from that room. Um, really, uh, last year specifically, and we've been talking about it for 365 days at this point. There is to me, and I'm speaking broadly, uh, if if you're looking at this Penn State team and how it gets to the next step next year, it is not by featuring a bunch of new faces. That's that's not the path that they're taking. It is by developing the players that they have, mm -hmm. right? The, the guys that you're able to convince to return, the guys that are coming up, those second year guys who are going to become third year guys, that like it, it, you are asking for the coordinators, 
and the players themselves to to take those steps developmentally to to be able to make that that step as a program because it's yeah. it's not it's not coming in a magic elixir in terms of a rash of transfers in but the guys that they did get Julian Fleming being I, I think chief among them or among the chief among them as as being extremely important to uh to to what they're able to do next season yeah, and that kind of gives us uh, our next conversation point. And Fitz and I have talked about this on our live show that we did on uh, was it Saturday? Um, sure. And then of course, yeah, and then of <laughs> course talking about uh, the the portal on our Thursday show last week. So there's been a lot of this stuff that we've reviewed. But Nate, I just want to give your you the opportunity whenever we have a public forum to talk about all of the topics and the transfer portal. What do you think of their uh, their their decisions so far? um in the transfer portal and who they've been able to bring in you don't care about my opinion i i don't <laughs> right the the stuff that i've like i don't i haven't seen enough julian fleming i haven't paid close mm -hmm. enough attention to his career to have a strong opinion I, some of the feedback that i've gotten is that he struggled with injuries i know one shoulder two shoulders somebody can correct me on that but i, I know he had some shoulder issues through his career at ohio state never really threatened it, it seems being the top guy at Ohio State, but also Ohio State has had four of the best receivers to come out of college football over the last three years. Is that fair? So, you know, what's what's the standard there? How do, how do you yeah. how do you judge that? Um, every single uh, piece of feedback seems to be that he is an instant boost of credibility and maturity and work ethic and, and all of those things to the room that, that bringing in and injecting somebody like that is going to be good for Penn state football. Uh, but you know, does, does he, does he fundamentally change the element of Penn state's passing game that was missing this year, which was passes over four yards? I don't, I don't know. Uh, it, it, Right. Some, I mean, some of the, some of the PFF numbers, you know, whatever analytics you're looking at are that the overwhelming number of his passes, passes caught are 10 yards and in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, this year, it, three of eight on deep passes for 86 yards. Can we talk about what Ben's talking about in the chat here with leadership? Sure. Because I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here going through it in my head and it's a, it's a good one um, because they, they need actual leadership for the older groups is what he says. We had Clifford Brisker uh, cabinet, which I believe is Jason Cabinda uh, and others be stalwart leaders need to grow up. Yeah, there we go. Um, and uh, yeah, this is, a, this was an issue this year. I think, I think that we highlighted that at basically this time last year, because mm -hmm. you lose a Sean Clifford, like, and I know like put the football aside, the Sean Clifford leadership element was was big. No disrespect to Theo Johnson, who was a very good leader for Penn State. But if if a tight end is one of your captains, that's probably a larger issue there. And and mm -hmm. like I said, Theo was great. Theo was the guy that sat him down and did everything like that. So you look at what's coming back, and I think that they get this this year. Like an, a, a guy like Devon Ellis coming back, absolutely huge. Kobe King is going to be a lead. Like I, I look down this this roster on both sides of the ball, and I see more potential captains. Probably twice as many potential captains as I did mm -hmm. this time last year. Uh, Jalen Reed in the secondary. Um, you're going to bring back uh, on the offensive line. Wormley's going to come back on the offensive line. Nick Dawkins, like Nick Dawkins, was not a starter. 
he's probably the leader of that offensive line group. So him coming back is an underrated aspect of, of how they, they do things. Uh, Tyler Warren, probably a special teams captain, Riley Thompson, probably a special teams captain drew Aller's a year older, like, and maybe Julian, if, if Julian Fleming's the guy that Ohio state people like said that he's been as a older type leader type guy, you've got an opportunity there. So, yeah. Not that all these guys are going to be captains, but like the outlook for the potential leadership of this team, like I think is miles above what it was last year. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I do want to circle back to one thing about Julian Fleming uh, and deep receptions, uh, five for 217 in 2022. So again, even talking about Keandre Lambert-Smith, quarterback is a huge part of when a receiver gets the ball, if they get the ball on time and accurately when it's, you know, those deep passes. So I just, it, it's... It, Try to separate one thing, and there's two other three things tethered to it um, to kind of muddy the conversation and not make it one specific thing that will work. Um, and and, want and to talk? I, I didn't mention Don DeLuca. The, the chat will come after me if I don't mention Don DeLuca. <laughs> yes, mention. absolutely. Um, so last thing I've got is Paul Puzlesny, College Football Hall of Fame. You guys have any good Paul Puzlesny stories? I, I don't know if it's... At I was working at Jimmy John's as an undergrad and that's what I did before I did this. Um, no, but uh, part-timer at, at Jimmy John's during undergrad and he walks in and I'm working with a big time Penn state football fan, Chip O'Hara. I hope he's listening. Uh, but pause walks up to the counter and Chip is like just speechless. He, he can't talk to him. This, this was after the, uh, the old five season. So he was like, like, and, and he goes up and he orders his Turkey on Turkey or whatever he was eating because his, you know, he had this, make sure the neck kept kept growing um <laughs> but like it was so funny to watch and and chip's like i'm not taking your money like this is like he, he like he wanted paul wanted to pay him and chip's like I'm, I'm not taking your money you just got us to the orange bowl i'm not doing that and uh it was re really funny because paul was just a sheepish you know he was still a kid at this point but obviously he's a, a man a butkus winner you know just a, a guy that was so awesome to watch during my time as a student there and it was just uh it's so funny because he, he always seemed to be that guy. Like even when he was a pro playing on a really, really playing on really bad teams, he was always a pro. So I am like ecstatic to be one of the guys and I feel old with him going in the college football hall of fame. But one of the guys that I watched as a student going there is freaking awesome. Sean Fitz inadvertently reports NCAA violation. <laughs> yeah, put, up, put up beach wine guy. And they got better things to worry about. So. <laughs> Do they even have the ability to do anything anymore? Like, is there a statute of limitations on Turkey? I hope so. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah. We'll go after um, Jimmy Jones for that. Nate, you got anything? I, and by the way, I, when I asked the question, I wasn't quite sure in the timeline of your guys' professional careers where exactly this lined up, but I figured it was close to right on the line. Yeah, he was he was right at the beginning of me covering the team and uh, was awesome. Just right... Uh, Smart, funny, charismatic, all that stuff. The the uh, the the like the football ideal of like a tough tough dude who just played football really hard had the iconic blood right smeared photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was, it was yeah, funny he's... when I got into it. It was when his brother was coming through, and his brother was not close to him whatsoever. And he went to Notre Dame. He still went to Notre Dame, but he didn't really play much. And Penn State fans just irate that Penn State would not recruit the younger brother of, of Paul Puzlesny, which uh, is pretty pretty funny in hindsight. But, you yeah. know, it, 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 it tracks. Uh, so that's all I got for the show today. Guys, anything coming up or anything you want to get out of here? Some last words, Nate. 
No, thanks for having me. Penn State plays basketball on Wednesday night. I'll be watching. I'm I'm gonna do a, a postmortem on uh you know an, an autopsy of where Penn State stands as a program against the two teams that you saw in the national championship last night. So that's uh yeah, that's what that's what's on my plate. Uh, of course, if you want to get anything over bluewhiteillustrated.com, a special offer two months for a dollar code PSU one special offer only for our YouTube crowd. And of course, for our podcast crowd fits any last thoughts, transfer portal, uh, Julian Fleming in Nolan Rucci in, Jordan Meyer, Chase Meyer, Penn state still expecting a couple more guys uh, throughout the week. They have until, um, the 14th for late drop late ad Lejante Webster or Wester, excuse me, just committed to Colorado a couple minutes ago. Um, that was expected. If you read our notes on bluewhiteillustrated.com uh yesterday um it was uh it was it was indicated he was probably not gonna end up penn state but still looking at corner aj harris of course i know a guy a couple guys have asked in the chat he's in the student directory um still you know nothing's official till it's official and i tell you that because that's uh it's just the way it goes but uh yeah feeling feeling still feeling the same way about aj harris so uh the portal will continue um they're gonna see i i I don't really see this weekend being huge for visits but uh if they find a guy that they want to bring in at the last minute i think they can do that I appreciate that. I didn't know exactly how to bring up AJ Harris because, you know, we're in this weird limbo. So I appreciate you giving an update on that for everybody in the chat because that was something everyone wanted to know today. Um, Of course, we'll have all kinds of great stuff. We're coming up tomorrow talking about Transfer Portal and uh, we'll have recruiting on Thursday. All of that coming up this week on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Appreciate everyone being here. Nate Bauer, Sean Fitz, an excellent job here on a snowy Tuesday. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We will talk to you later.